Ding dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast normally about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she has a bowl of olives in her bathroom. It's my sister, Marissa. I also have gout. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, it's a fancy party. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Yeah, for legal reasons, you have gout. While The Good Place is on hiatus, we are looking at other shows that are related to The Good Place in some way. In August, we decided to watch other NBC Thursday night shows. We are calling this theme month Thursdays of Future Past. This week, we watched Community, one of Marissa's faves. Yeah, I think maybe my favorite comedy of the 2000s, although it's hard to say because Arrested Development is in that category, too. Oh, that's also a great show. I also, this was my first time watching Community other than the pilot, and I have to say I really enjoyed it. So this was just a delight. Can we take a moment just because there continues to be confusion with which one of us is which? So I'm just going to say, hi, I'm Marissa. I'm the one who's more in your right earbud than your left. Uh, I'm the older sister. I have two monster children who uh, follow me around and climb on me and turn me into a jungle gym. And I'm the one who loves community, but was only so-so on Parks and Rec. Oh, okay. We're doing introductions. Yeah, please do. Because (laughs) I got got a tweet from Mitch who, God love him, but Mitch was like, no, she doesn't, you know, I I don't see how you're going to convince her to like community if she she didn't like Parks and Rec. And I was like, no, I'm the other one. (laughs) All right, well, I am Brianna. I am the younger sister. Uh, I live in Brooklyn, uh, not too far away from where Brooklyn Nine-Nine is supposed to take place. You're in the left earbud. I am in, right, I am the, or correct, I should say. I am in the left earbud, and I don't have any kids. I, you know, I'm sort of by myself. I'm like the Jason Manzukis of this (laughs) podcast. Yep, just... By myself. Um, and I am repeatedly attracted to, like, the sort of... Uh, worst possible men wor- on every fictional media. Oh, yeah, including Joel McHale on this show. Which oh, <laughs> oh, my goodness, I know. He's the worst, but also really cute. Anyway, so that's me. So do we want to do some housekeeping before... Yeah, please, okay. yeah. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes if you can. That would be lovely. Uh, if you want to, like, leave us a review because you thought we were the real Good Place podcast, you know, that's fine, too. You can follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group, The Good Play. Twitter, we are at The Good Play Pod. And you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. Yes. All right. So uh, this week we watched Marissa's pick, which is Community. And like I said, this is the first time that I had really given Community a chance. And I was like very tickled by it. I thought it was really clever and acerbic and offbeat and weird, but like all in ways that I really liked. So this was a good one. Yay. This was a good one. This was like totally the episodes I felt like because I do the 
the written recaps. Like, the episodes were really chock full of stuff. So my, my recaps are a little long, but it was all, like, really fun to watch. Uh, so Community is a product of Dan Harmon, who is better known now for being the showrunner of Rick and Morty, but that wasn't a thing when Community was on. Dan Harmon is kind of a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, do you remember the episode he did of How Did This Get Made, the the Jack Frost episode? I do, yeah. Yeah, so he's incredibly fun. He's actually kind of a lot like Jeff Winger on the on Community. <laughs> he's incredibly quick and uh, funny and, and full of, like, topical references and all that. And he's also, <clears throat> he's a hugely, uh, he's a big drinker. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Whether or not that is a problem in his life, I guess, is between him and the bottle. But yeah. he is a huge drinker. I used to listen to his podcast, Harmontown, pretty regularly. And then at some point, his antipathy towards almost all humans pretty much drove me away. He is a he's an interesting character. And the show is an interesting reflection of him. But... Certainly when I watched Community, I I didn't really have a concept of that. But that's kind of the background on the show. I don't mm. I don't know much about the show, really, except that, you know, Dan Harmon was a showrunner. And it was Donald Glover's kind of jumping off point for his career. Yeah, he's really and, funny on this. Yeah, and I think that everybody involved with the show and everybody who was watching at the time was like, whoa, this guy is something like really out of the ordinary. Yeah. And also, famously, Chevy Chase uh, was a real jerk when they were yeah, making I heard the show. Yeah, pretty difficult. Yeah, yeah, and he that. like locked horns with Dan Harmon. I think he locked horns with some of the other stars. Like, I, I, shocking no one. Chevy Chase is kind of an asshole, right? Yeah, I mean, you you never like to hear that about people that you like their work, but it happens. Well, so I mean, I've I've read the oral history of Saturday Night Live, which is like seven hundred pages, and. He doesn't come off great in that either. I think he's just sort of like universally acknowledged to be kind of a, a problem. You know what? Yeah. yeah. Um, Allison Brie has also gone on to have. Uh, she's so young in this. Oh my god! She's got like a baby face. Yeah. But this is really, and also, um, Danny Pudi. Oh, Jillian Jacobs. Yeah. Or is it Gillian? I it's actually Gillian. don't know. It's Gillian. Yeah, she's also gone on to to do some pretty cool things. So, Danny Pudi is a voice in. Um, ducktales what <laughs> yeah that's he's awesome. one of the three nephews yeah that's awesome so it seems like this is like a launch pad no pun intended for <laughs> ducktales <laughs> whoops but it seems like this is the kind of a launch pad for some people which is great yeah it really is and you know for all of dan Harmon's kind of like misanthropy uh it doesn't really come through on at least the episodes i watched were pretty like you know about being chummy to at least the um the chaos one the oh yeah we should say which episodes we watched yeah so we watched uh marissa picked these episodes i think it's you said specifically ones that you thought i would like which good job you got them all (laughs) uh season one episode 23 modern warfare that's the first paintball episode the first paintball oh there's more than one yes all right (laughs) There's also a, like, pillow fort episode and a floor is lava episode. (laughs) I gotta get on this. Season three, I gotta gotta throw out my back again and so I can just, like, binge watch. (laughs) Season three, episode four, Remedial Chaos Theory, which is, I think, a pretty well-known one, right? 
I think it's their most famous, yeah. And uh, season three, episode 17, Basic Lupine Urology, which I would dedicate the entire podcast to this episode alone. Uh, If we could, I'm going to be very excited when we get to that recap. Well, we'll speed through the first two. How's that sound? Okay, so, yeah. I mean, these are like, like I said, you know, this is a very, very quick show. I understand, Marissa, why you sort of like this and the good place because and like 30 rock because there are right it's like every there's a joke like every three seconds it seems yeah it's a high joke density everyone's really quick and really on it and there's like a lot of cool stuff or weird stuff going on in the edges and the backgrounds like they really just pack it all in so uh i appreciate that so it's also very it's very lovingly crafted like yeah during the run of community i believe it was once per season for the first three seasons somebody said the word beetlejuice and the first time someone said beetlejuice nothing happened and the second time someone said beetlejuice like in season two nothing happened and the third time in season three someone said beetlejuice and someone dressed as michael keaton's beetlejuice like walks past (laughs) in the background that's really funny it's that kind of thing where they're like they're paying so much attention to detail yeah so that means that these recaps are a little dense because i was like capturing trying to capture these little things but we can hopefully get through them fairly quickly do you want to do the recaps yeah let's start with uh, modern warfare okay where you know so so the study group is is to this show what the cockroaches are to the good place it's that's a, a group. good yeah that's a yeah good, metaphor uh, yeah yeah or analogy or whatever yeah um it's six community college students. They they started off in the first season as all sort of studying together for a specific class, and now they just are kind of buddies at this community college. Uh, Greendale, I think, is the community college. Yeah. I want to say they're in Colorado. So there's six people in the study group. There's Jeff, Britta, Annie, Shirley, Abed, and Troy. Abed and Pierce. Troy. I'm sorry, Pierce. Wait, so there's seven? Yeah, there's seven. Pierce actually dies later. So. And then he appears as a hologram. It's pretty great. So yeah. so um, of, of the seven, Abed, Troy, and Annie are the ones who are there right out of high school. And there is sort of a divide between them and versus uh, Jeff, Shirley, Pierce, and Britta are older. Not all the same age. Britta is like 30-ish. Shirley is 40-ish. Jeff is maybe 30s and Pierce is like 70. And so they definitely have different like levels of, of life experience. Uh, and so Jeff that, is kind of the nominally. Leader? The, yeah. I don't want to say protagonist because yes. he's like kind of a kind of a D. But um. <laughs> yeah, so he so the, the series kind of rotates around his story, his backstory, which is that. He was a practicing lawyer until somebody figured out that he like faked his college degree or something. So then they're like, "Oh, you have to go back to school." Yeah, you know, it's a very so it's almost like an '80s movie kind of plot. It's, it's a, or it's like a, it was like uh, an episode of Night Court too, or like Billy Madison. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're in the study hall. Jeff and Britta are bickering, and they come in and and like the the rest of the study group is having a nice conversation. Shirley's talking about how her kids are going to bring her breakfast in bed for Mother's Day, even though she's going to have to make the breakfast herself. <laughs> but as Jeff and Britta like walk in and they're bickering, everyone's like, Ugh. and Abed is like, 
compares Jeff and Britta to Ross and Rachel, and Shirley compares them to Sam and Diane. Topical. And, yeah. <laughs> Topical for us, yeah. And Jeff and Britta are like, Psh, you know, we're not. We have no chemistry. I don't know what you're talking about. And, of course, Pierce says, tells Jeff to have carnal relations with Britta, and he doesn't use those those words. He says something a little more... <laughs> little more gross have carnal relations with britta and move on so carnal relations craig who the heck is craig he's the dean no dean has a name yeah i i looked i had to look it up nobody calls him that okay but i didn't know that so (laughs) i just he's the dean so the dean comes in to remind everybody that the spring fling is happening on the quad yeah what that even means i don't know and that there will be a prize for the person who wins a paintball. And he says it's going to be like a DVD Blu-ray player, I think. Yeah. And Except it got stolen, right? Yeah, they do say that at some point. And Jeff is like, Ugh, you people are like telling me that I'm having sexual tension with Britta. So I'm going to go take a nap in my car. And he goes, he takes a nap in his car. And then he wakes up an hour later. And this, like, normal community college campus has been transformed into a war zone. Yeah, literally. In an hour. An hour. <laughs> everything is everything is covered with paint, and it is, like, dead silent. It's like the Old West. It's you know, like, like, there's, yeah. there's nobody <laughs> out there. And so it's, it's like, like it's like children of men, like yes. when they go through <laughs> and they see, like, all the empty uh, swing sets and stuff yes. it's like that. So he goes back into the building and he's like, what is going on? And, you know, the student's like, it's a, it's, I think, I'm trying to remember what the name of the student is. I, I no longer I remember. No I, I would have known at one point, but I don't remember anymore. And he says, oh, it's the paintball, you know, and they turned on each other. And, and Jeff's like, oh, all, everything over a stupid game of paintball. And the student's like, ah, you don't understand. And then he like gets shot more by more paintballs. And Jeff gets hunted down by Leonard, who is an elderly student, but he he runs into Abed and Abed brings Jeff into the fold. It's Abed and Troy <laughs> who are holding out against, you know, the other students. And it's like this, it's, you know, it's, it's instantly a war movie. Troy's yeah. like, look who it is, Jeff Winger. I thought you were dead. <laughs> Jeff's like, I was taking a nap. <laughs> he's like not in on it yet. He's like, that's the funny part is that he's like, come here, you son of a bench. Like, yeah. and, and he's, and Jeff is just like, I don't, what's happening? I don't yes. know. So then Abed and Troy tell Jeff that the prize for paintball is priority registration. And Jeff's like, Ugh, who cares? Wait a minute. <gasps> you could get all your classes on Monday and have a six day weekend. <laughs> and they're like, you could do a, you lot, do of a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jeff is immediately like going to shoot them, and they're and they're both like easy, easy. <laughs> it turns into like a Mexican standoff. It's great. It's great. Yeah. So they they form an alliance. They basically say, you know, we're going to just be an alliance. We're going to be allied until until there's nobody else left. And he asks about, you know, like, are the girls still alive? And they're like, oh, you mean Britta? And he's like, no, I didn't mean Britta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have a they have a battle with the chess club which they win for the chess club is wearing like giant chess pieces on their head if i remember correctly yeah and the joke is like don't worry about them they're just pawns yeah right 
Pierce and Starburns are raiding the vending machines. And uh, Pierce ends up shooting Starburns and joining the rest of the boys from the study group. They go to the men's bathroom where they are ambushed by Annie and Britta. And they form another sort of a larger alliance until they're, you know, they say, okay, until we're the last one standing, we'll be allied. And they go outside and Troy and Shirley are talking and, and Troy sort of says... Like, you know, we we could shoot them all now. It would just be us. And, and Shirley says something like, that wouldn't really look great for the Black Students Union or something, because the two of them are the only Black members of the study group. Yeah. And then Troy gets shot, and Shirley's like, Troy made God mad. Yeah, she's and religious. She's very religious. Annie gets shot. Pierce gets shot. Abed takes out the shooters who are the Glee Club and they yell at the Glee Club to get some original songs. <laughs> the remaining members of the group are Jeff, British, Shirley, and Abed. They <laughs> gather around a garbage can fire in the cafeteria. Like, what would you do if you wanted, like, oh, you know. Yeah, it's basically the, the like, what you, campfire yeah. <laughs> scene from tra- uh, Saving Private Ryan where they right. all talk about, like, when, what I, are you when I get do? home, yeah, I'm going to exactly. kiss my best girl. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. So the, I forget what the rest of them say, but Shirley says that she's she would make her schedule up so she could spend more time with her kids, which is obviously the most sort altruistic. Of, well, I don't know about altruistic, but like the most relatable thing, certainly, that yeah. anybody says. I think that... Oh, Britta says she would she would pick classes that like had no papers and no tests, which is like Britta, for God's sake, it's college. <laughs> like if you don't want to be in college, don't be in college. Right. So and Britta says, and I think Abed agrees that if they win, then they're gonna give the prize to Shirley. And Jeff gets like really bent out of shape about this, that they, they they're just pretending to be altruistic. Then Oh yeah, Abed and Shirley, you know, threaten to shoot Jeff and Britta if they don't stop bickering. And then Shirley and Abed get shot. Abed is really funny because he's like, he doesn't realize he's been shot. It's like another sort of war movie motif of him yeah. being like, and then someone goes, oh, Abed, look. And he like looks down and he's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. it, he's like, he's basically like someone who has lost his limbs, but like the shock of it means that you don't feel it right away until you look down and you're like, oh God. Yeah. So yeah. it's very funny. Then Shirley gets shot and she like lies down on the floor of the cafeteria and she goes, I'm going home. I'm going <laughs> home. And <laughs> Britta's like, yes, you're going home. And Shirley's like, no, I'm really, go- I'm going home now. Like, are, there's no reason for me to stay here. Can you like, can you like help me up so I can get to my car? Yeah, it's like midnight. <laughs> yes. So Britta and Jeff are the only ones left that they know of. And Britta says she's going to win for Shirley. Jeff says, I'll win it for myself. He, Jeff for a minute thinks that he has been hit, but it's he's like, oh, good, it's just my blood. Like, yeah, he's like, how lucky is that? And you're yeah. like, what? So now we cut to the dean who is freaking out about how out of hand things are, and Chang, who is the the Spanish teacher, I'm Chang, I can't be killed, I believe is his theme song. <laughs> he convinces the dean, he's like, put him in the game. I'm one of those D-bags who like brings his own equipment to the paintball range, which yeah. really fits in with the image of Chang I have in my head. Britta and Jeff are like holed up in the study room and Jeff like takes off his shirt so that Britta can Woo! sort of nurse his wound. Sorry. I know. 
<laughs> and Joel McHale is fine like cherry wine. Holy guacamole. Yes, indeed he is. So he takes off his shirt and everyone's like, oh, uh, everyone watching at home is like, oh, lordy, lordy. And like, Brianna, bring me my smelling salts. <laughs> Bring me my tizzy couch, as yes, uh, as, as would have it. Yes, Tahani would say. And unsurprisingly, I think Britta and Jeff end up um, doing the deed. After they do, Britta gets stressed, pulls a gun on Jeff, but Jeff has taken her clip because he doesn't trust her. They argue, and then Chang enters and starts. I mean, he comes in like Scarface. I mean, he is just head to toe with like machine paintball guns. He comes in, he just starts, like, just paintballing the place to oblivion. And they, like, dive behind a couch. And and Britta's like, you have to win this, Jeff. Like, you know, I had my chance to kill you and I and I didn't. And, and, like, so now, you know, it's my turn to risk myself or whatever. And then she, she sacrifices herself to take Chang out. And then as Chang lays, quote unquote, dying... Uh, <laughs> Jeff goes over and is like, you're not even a student. He's like, yeah, I know. I'm taking underwater basket weaving now or whatever. <laughs> and Jeff is like, well, why Why does anyone care? Like, why did the dean even send you? And Chang is like, oh, you don't even know. You don't even know. And he, like, pulls back his coat and he's got a paint, uh, paint bomb in his coat. Yes. That's set to go off in five seconds, and Jeff like runs out just in time, and like you cl- he closes the door behind him, and it's like CGI like paint explosion in the study room. Well, what he says right before he quote unquote dies is there is no priority registration. Right. So then Jeff, who is now shirtless, I mean he looks like Rambo. I mean he's like this- shirtless, grimy. He's got like a bandana. He's like carrying all these paintball guns. He like this swaggers. Is, um, this is like uh, what's that? Uh, Martin uh, Sheen, Lawrence Fishburne. What's Heart that? of Darkness. Right? No, no. It's gosh, what's that movie? It's really famous. I feel like an idiot. Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. This yeah, is Apocalypse like- Now is based on Heart of Darkness. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is his like apocalypse now. To me anyway. This is yeah. like he has turned into a character from Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And he like goes into the the study sorry, he goes into the dean's office and like one of the recurring jokes about the dean is that he is obviously gay but doesn't really talk about it and so is completely taken aback by the sight of incredibly hot Jeff <laughs> in like shirtless and grimy and all that. And he's just like, ooh, Jeffrey. And, like, <laughs> and Jeff's like, admit that there's no priority registration. And the dean is like, I messed up. But like, look, there's this DVD player. And Jeff shoots him. Uh, <laughs> and then the next day, you see like the janitors having to clean up all the paintballs. And in the study group, everything is sort of back to normal. Britta and Jeff agree to never discuss. Out of the earshot of the group, they discuss. They agree never to discuss the fact that they had sex. I don't really remember what happens with them as a couple, but the the God's honest truth is that Jeff is not able to have a real relationship with anybody. So his various hookups over the years don't really lead to real relationships anyway. Jeff gives Shirley the priority registration form and just tells her that she has to pretend to have gout. (laughs) Because that's like, there's no such thing as priority registration because it like conflicts. I think that their argument might be that it like conflicts with the Americans Disabilities Act or something. So, or it's, just... it's like only for students that need like special considerations or something. Like it's not something you can just give out willy nilly. That's that was my take on it. 
Yeah, so that's why they tell Shirley that she has to pretend to have gout. And she's like, yeah, no worries. And, and Britta's, uh, Britta's kind of like, oh, that was very selfless of you, like, kind of making eyes at him. Yeah, and Abed's like, hmm, something's different, but everybody else kind of ignores it. So that's the first one we watched. Yeah. That's the only season one episode we watched. And then we watched Chaos Theory, which, oh boy, I, I don't... I kind of don't want to do the full rundown of this episode. No, I honestly, when I was recapping this one, I was like, this is a lot to recap. Like, it's just, can we give like the basic conceit and then like maybe talk about like our favorite pieces of each one maybe and then talk about the end. So the conceit of the episode is that Troy and Abed have gotten an apartment together. Previously, I think Abed was living with his parents and Troy was living with Pierce, funny enough, in Pierce's like mansion, just like a wing of Pierce's mansion. Pierce is ridiculously wealthy. Yeah, Family why is money. he at the community college if he Oh, he just like he's just bored, basically. Oh okay. oh, okay. So Troy and Abed have a party for the study group to sort of like as like a housewarming for themselves. And there's a beginning part of the episode where everybody sort of gets there one by one, and it turns out that they they sent a fake club opening thing to Jeff so that he would block out the night. And Shirley is sort of obsessed with baking these little mini pies in their in their oven, and they're gonna and they've and the boys have ordered pizza and they're kind of waiting for the pizza. And they say, you know, while we are waiting, we are going to play Yahtzee. And that is the central piece of this episode, which is that the pizza guy rings their doorbell and then Jeff says, okay, uh, who who has to go get pizza? I'm going to throw this die up in the air and whatever number it lands on, I'm going to count around me, me clockwise for me. And whatever one it lands on, that's the person who has to go get the pizza. And Abed says, you realize you're creating six different timelines. And Jeff is like, Ugh, whatever. And that happens seven times. (laughs) That scene happens seven times because we actually see what happens with all the timelines. So we see what happens when each member of the study group goes and gets the pizza. And the ultimate thing is that Abed catches the die in the air and says, you know, he basically makes some statement about the, the essential characters of everybody in the group. And then he says, and Jeff is like a, a lying snake. And everyone's like, Abed, what are you talking about? And he's like, Jeff arranged it so that he would never be the one to go get the pizza because there's seven of us and six sides on this die. And Jeff's like, ugh, guilty as charged. And he's like, so everyone's like, you have to go get the pizza now. And that's the last timeline. And that is like the quote unquote true timeline. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, the timeline in which Jeff has to go get the pizza because Abed realizes what he's done is the true timeline, the one that carries through to the rest of the series. But there's a bunch of other timelines. They all share some similar things. Yes. Which is why it's kind of tedious to like go through every single one of them. Right. But I don't find it tedious to watch. No, I don't find it tedious to watch, but it's like to recap without watching it. Cause watching yeah, it's it, a little painful. Yeah, because watching it, like things are happening at once and it feels more like there's a natural flow. But recapping it is like, oh, you're going to say that Shirley went up to go check on her pies like six different times right Right. so so some notable things happen in one timeline jeff and annie end up kissing and yeah annie i I know he was hooking up with britta in the last episode we recapped but like that's over and and it's a little bit it's a lot actually a lot bit problematic because annie is like really college aged and jeff is like 15 years her senior easily (laughs) so it's not great 
Yeah. But yeah, that's so but that timeline is not the true one, so that kind of happened and then got erased from from history. But but the one that is the most famous, the one that inspired a gif for the ages. Yes, my favorite. Is the one where Troy goes and gets the pizza. <laughs> because as he leaves, he knocks this like scale replica of the the boulder scene from Indiana Jones, which Abed and has has crafted. painstakingly <laughs> recreated. Yeah. yeah, and a series of events happens in which a gun goes off, shoots Pierce in the leg. Also, a fire starts, and some other. Oh, and and Pierce has brought this mean gift for Troy. That's like this Norwegian troll that looks like it's a demon. And the troll ends up sort of sitting in this ring of fire in this really hilarious way. But but if you've ever seen the gif of Donald Glover, like, walking into a room happy with a pizza and then looking around and everything is has just gone to hell and the, just the look on his face, like, that's where it's from. It's from the Troy timeline of the yeah. Chaos Theory episode. Which I had used that gif before and seen it multiple times and I didn't understand the context and I watched it and I was like, this is perfect. Like, it's just all these... Annie slips on the ball and and falls into the. Uh, it's like a it's like a terrible Rube Goldberg machine of like yes. It's like Annie slips on the boulder and uh, crashes into their coffee table. Pierce has brought really expensive like contraband alcohol, basically like it's, it's like a like, hundred ninety proof. It's or like something. crazy. So that bottle breaks and it spills on the ground. The handgun goes off and shoots Pierce in the leg. And, uh, not Annie, uh, Britta comes out of the bathroom where she's been smoking pot secretly, right? It's yes. And that's why she does that pizza, pizza in my tummy. Me so hungry, me so hungry thing. (laughs) And she drops, like, the joint falls out of her mouth because her, like, like, she's just slack jawed. And it catches fire. The joint, like, lights the alcohol on fire. And uh, Jeff is, like, trying to put it out with, like, a blanket or something. Everybody is just... And and Shirley is just like, my pies are done. And then she gets, like, sprayed with Pierce's femoral artery blood. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. It's completely, completely crazy. And it... But it only lasts for, like, two minutes. It's crazy. And right. I mean, the sh- whole, all the timelines basically last for two minutes because yeah. it's a 22 minute uh, yeah. episode with like an intro and an outro and a stinger and yeah. uh, seven timelines. So that's well, pretty much all the time you have. And if we're going to talk about like sort of similarities between community and uh, the good place, this episode is definitely reminiscent of the beginning of the second season where you go through all these timelines really, really quickly. And, you know, it's always like, wait a second, this is the bad place. And Michael's like, ugh, and they have to start all over again. Like, that's kind of this in a way to me, like very similar to this, where you have like this ridiculous setup and then you cut out, you know, after a couple of minutes and it starts all over again. Right. So the real timeline where Jeff is the one who gets the pizza kind of progresses and and it's actually a really nice timeline without jeff they actually get along pretty well (laughs) jeff is jeff is not a great influence on them at this point so they're all just sort of having fun and and whatever and then to roxanne and dancing yeah so then but the stinger of this episode which has is almost as famous i think as the troy pizza gif is we see 
the Troy pizza timeline, like, con- has continued in its own universe, in its own parallel timeline. Yeah. Where they're sitting in the study group. Uh, Jeff lost an arm in the fire. <laughs> Pierce died. Annie was committed to a mental institution. Uh, Shirley is is an alcoholic. Troy <laughs> lost his larynx because, because he decided to eat the troll. <laughs> and Britta has a blue streak in her hair. Like, that's yeah, the worst that's thing a, that's, that's happened worst. to her. Yeah. So, and, so Abed is just says, okay, clearly this is the darkest timeline. So what we need to do is, like, hop back into one of the other timelines and sort of take over the lives that we should have had. And Jeff is just, like, screaming at him, like, there are no other timelines. But Abed puts on a fake beard, like, like from the Mirror Mirror episode of Star Trek. And so does Troy. And they just... So Troy and Abed are best friends. And they often will sort of sing this little ditty sort of, like, Troy and Abed... Uh, new apartment or Troy and Abed something something but this time they look at each other and Troy has like a vocoder (laughs) to replace his larynx so it sounds different but they go evil Troy and evil Abed (laughs) and as they say that the real Abed in the primary timeline is like sitting on the couch watching a movie with Troy and he like kind of sits up like (laughs) Troy's like what's the matter and Abed's like I don't know (laughs) (laughs) that's the end of the episode (laughs) Do they ever come back, Evil Troy and Evil Abed? Yeah, I think that they appear in a lot of stinger scenes. Oh, okay. That's really fun. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. That was really funny. Yeah. I, I have used the, the the phrase, the darkest timeline, so many times in the last two years. I was going to say, like, every day. And actually, the time when I used, like, all the times when I've used uh, the gif of Troy coming in with the pizzas is, like, I leave Twitter for like two hours and I come back and like some other disaster has happened. I'm like, guys, can we keep it together? No, as a country, anything? No. Nope. No, sure we cannot. can't. We cannot. I mean, is it too on the nose for me to say that like the competent black guy leaves the room for <laughs> one minute? <laughs> And everything oh turns into a fiery. You you are like the Ed's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, come back, competent yeah. black guy. We need you. <laughs> All right, why don't you do the last recap? Okay. I'm, a little, I'm a little tired of talking, and this is this is right in your wheelhouse. This is this guys. This is my jam right here. <laughs> so a little backstory: Marissa has been trying to get me to watch Community. For years, I think. Like, <laughs> yeah, probably. So, like, it's a good thing we do this podcast because, like, now I have. And the episode that she always would talk about to get me to watch Community was an episode where they spoof Law & Order. So that was the last one we watched, which is called Basic Lupine Urology, which took me a second to get the name. <laughs> Did it? <laughs> and I was like, why is, oh my God. I was like, LOL, it's Dick Wolf. That's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, when I hear a spoof of Law & Order, like I've watched other shows, like I always talk about Psych, which is like my favorite show on earth. They do kind of like, they do a lot of shows where they do it in the style, they do an episode in the style of something. It's like an homage, basically. Uh, this is an homage to Law and Order, the likes of which I have never seen before. <laughs> it is so pitch perfect. It's not like the characters walk into something like on Psych. Usually, it's like our characters walk into another 
another town or another situation that like reminds them of something and then like everybody else in the town is like they do a Twin Peaks episode where they go to like a tiny town where everyone's really weird right but our characters are the same characters this is like all of the characters on the show become characters from Law and Order in the best way possible the writing is pitch perfect. The cinematography is like exactly like a Law and Order it's episode. Uncanny. Like, it how is. do they do that? That's the word. I was like, whoever wrote this episode, I I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they drafted writers from Law and Order like out of retirement and were just like, can you come write this episode for us? It is pitch perfect. The whoever creates all of the scene sets, like the decorations, like got it perfect with like the chinese food on the lawyer's desk and the like everyone <laughs> the random the hot dog cart out the hot on the, dog cart out on on the like, community college green like and it's like a busy street with construction on it all of a sudden <laughs> yes. and like um in the courtroom scene they start with somebody drawing in a notebook but like because it's like supposed to be the court uh artist but it's actually just like someone doodling in a notebook like every every single frame of this is like <laughs> so spot on it was eerie to watch and also like yep. so much fun uh it was amazing okay so i that's just like so when i say like troy and abed do this what i really mean is like lenny and eddie do something you know what i mean <laughs> yep so oh so the other thing i should say for all of you listeners out there is that like marissa and i we're sort of, I don't want to say raised on Law and Order because that is like, don't watch it when you're a kid. But like at a certain age, our whole family would just watch episodes of Law and Order together back to back. And so... Probably on TNT. Yeah. So like we as a family have a lot of affection for Law and Order. We love um, Lenny in particular. So there are just tropes that you see or like things that you see again and again and again and again on Law and Order episodes. And like, that's the kind of thing that they're spoofing here, which is amazing. I can't wait till you get to the cameo too. Oh my, oh my God, I flipped out. You can tell in the notes. Anyway, okay. So we open on, this is the beginning of every Law and Order episode where you have like a couple of people (laughs) who are unsuspecting and have like no, like they're not central to the plot except for they find the body. (laughs) And if you ever want to listen to, like, also a really great send-up of all the Law & Order tropes, uh, John Mulaney has, like, a whole set about it in one of his earlier stand-up specials. But anyway, so it's these two janitors, one of whom inexplicably has a Brooklyn accent because they are in, (laughs) what, Colorado. (laughs) Colorado, yeah. But it's supposed to be Law & Order, so of course it's in New York. So these two janitors are, like, having this, like, weird conversation that is apropos of nothing, and they find a yam in the biology lab that has been smashed on the floor like it's the body discovery basically so it's the study group's yam and their biology professor who actually was uh, a guest star on law and order like multiple times well he uh, so he's he's a recurring character in the season of of community yeah and he's much more better he's much better known for uh, he was on the wire the wire yeah 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 but i had to look him up because i was like was he on law and order he was so he, like, it's all the really fast-paced, like, zingers back and forth between everybody, and everyone's got an edge to them, and Annie's like, our yam was murdered, and he's like, you have to prove it. And so he says, the, the, you know, he'd give them a passing grade, and that's not good enough for Annie. So Annie and Jeff become basically the... Serena and Jack. Yeah, yeah. like the, the, the DA and the ADA. So Annie says that if they figure out who did it, they can still get an A, 
Which and, she sort of invents, but whatever. Yeah, and Shirley basically turns into Lieutenant Van Buren instantly, which <laughs> I have to say, it's like... It's so not her normal character, and it's not even the way she usually speaks. Her voice is usually, like, half an octave higher. Yeah, she's like, I can help you out with that, and then immediately it becomes this. I like, need to canvas the neighborhood and d- develop a timeline and come up with some suspects, yeah. She must have, like, studied Esopate the Murkersons, like, the way she talks, and everything. the cadence was perfect, and so she turns to Troy and Abed, and she says, like, you've got a canvas for witnesses, and the trail is gonna turn cold, and then, like, as they're leaving, she's like, it's been a long 15 years, and I just, like, <laughs> lost it, and so... Troy and Abed become basically Lenny and Eddie, who are the detectives. For those of you who have not seen Law and Order, which I hope is ev- like everyone has seen it. But so they trade zingers back and forth and Abed's like, it doesn't work if we both do the zingers. And then it cuts to the greatest credit sequence ever, which is essentially the Law and Order credit sequence. They use the normal theme song for community, which goes do 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 But they slow it down to be like, to, to sort of... Dun, dun, uh, it's like a, dun, 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 Yeah. Right, it's a mashup with the Law and Order theme song. It's amazing. And then it ends with Troy and Abed <laughs> and Jeff and Annie, like, in suits, like, walking down a hallway, like, laughing <laughs> together. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Troy and Abed um, come into the next scene wearing trench coats, <laughs> wearing, like, long coats and, like, a s- long scarves, because in every Law & Order episode, it is wintertime in New York. <laughs> yep. And um, they break up a, a betting ring, which it's is a, usually... It's a, it's a, I think it's an arm wrestling betting ring or yeah, something. Yeah, that Pierce is running. So Pierce is basically, like, a, a CI, like, he's a confidential informant. And so they question Pierce as a suspect, and he, like... You know, he does the thing where everybody hedges. They're like, hey, I didn't do that. Like, I, you know, I could, they, he gets trapped in his own lie and they kind of like <laughs> get it, get the truth out of him. And he points them to this guy named Todd, who sidebar, I know from New Girl, he plays like a recurring character on New Girl, but I'd never obviously like seen him on this show because this is the first time I'm watching it. But he points them to Todd, who is like the textbook, like suspect who's too good you know, he he's a, like a little bit of a goody two shoes, but he this is also a Law and Order trope where yeah. he will not stop doing the thing that he was doing <laughs> when they came in to question him. This is like another thing John Mulaney talks about, like guy who won't stop unloading crates as he's being interrogated <laughs> by homicide detectives. So Todd is like working at the library and he's unloading books onto a shelf from a cart. Like as he's talking to them, he's got a bandage on his hand and they're like, how'd you get that burn? And he's like, home at class. And they don't believe him. And it's this whole thing. And Todd shows him a photo of the yam that he took. And he's like, your yam was fine when I left. Right. So then Britta is the computer technician. And this she's was, She doesn't have much to do in this episode. No, she really doesn't. They only used her for this one scene. But she's like, she's the, she's the one where, like, in every Law & Order episode, in every version of Law & Order, there's a computer technician. And this is also across the board for, like, every crime procedural I've ever seen. They have a tech person who can, like, do incredible things like completely unbelievable things with you know great let me just hack into the mainframe real quick footage and this and so she's but she's sort of like i you know i downloaded this photo because she's supposed to be like explaining it to idiots who don't get it and she's like i may i can make their photo old west colored and she turns (laughs) it sepia 
And then they like do the thing where they zoom in on something and they find a clue. And Annie says that they've got a, you know, obviously it, the biology lab is locked after a certain time of night. So they should go. It's Shirley who says that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Shirley says that. And they have to go find who, who took a key out from the administrative office. Um, so at the front office, again, like this is just, I cannot <laughs> overstate how pitch perfect every second of this was where they go into like basically what constitutes like a busy government office that is completely like overrun with file papers and like there's a guy there's like oh shame about that yeah i heard about that that's yeah. anyway here's what you need and is like sorry about the mess and it's like just completely frazzled government employee with like stacks of paperwork and he hand- so he hands them over uh, he tells them that somebody named Magnitude, which I'm assuming is a recurring character, Papa! but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't recognize him. So the best moment from the second Paintball episode, so Magnitude only ever says Pop Pop, right? Which I'm assuming, the- yeah, because Abed basically <laughs> does the recap of his right. The best moment from the second pa- Paintball episode is that Magnitude gets shot and he goes, Pop! And then he like quote unquote dies and Troy is like kneeling on the floor holding his body going pop what magnitude <laughs> pop what <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch more of this show yes. <laughs> so they question magnitude and basically what happened was he checked the key out but it was in his backpack and he was in the library in the library uh, and the backpack was stolen while he was in the library so Troy as like Eddie is like great now we got to solve a robbery too like it's just every single moment of this so then okay Troy goes undercover at the library as like a cartoon of a student like yeah he's he, from like an archie comic yeah like okay he is a student at the school they are not actual detectives he is a student at the school, but he's wearing, wearing a letterman's jacket and, like, <laughs> is, like, very cartoonishly, like, now I have to go to the restroom. And he, like, leaves his backpack out on the table. And Starburns, who we've seen before, comes and steals the backpack. And they catch him in the act. And they interrogate him. And they do good cop, bad cop. And Troy is the bad cop. And Abed is the good cop. And Abed, like, very specifically spells that out. He's like, my partner. He's a bad cop. I'm a good cop. You can trust me. And Starburns is like, oh, by the way, Troy's wearing a Spider-Man tie. And I just have to laugh at that. that, Was that the... I don't know if this was, like, at the same time as that whole controversy around Donald Glover being Spider-Man. I bet you it was, though. Yeah. And which is just hysterical to me because I was... I, I almost envisioned it of, like, Troy wanting to dress up and realizing like he has no grown up clothes. Um, So the interview, the interview kind of spins out and the guy's like, Starburns is like, you guys aren't cops. Like you can't keep me here. And Shirley knocks on the glass, but it's the glass of a fish tank. It's not, they're not an interrogation room. And she's like, he is right. You're not cops. I I know that one line reading is so amazing so he tells troy and abed to go to the lab to to basically check on the autopsy of this yam okay (laughs) everyone get ready at the bio lab okay the actual medical examiner from law and order has is doing the autopsy 
And I'm okay. Imagine I'm I'm gonna take you like in media res, <laughs> listeners, or like I don't know if I'm using that term correctly, but like a peek behind the curtain. I'm taking notes as I watch, and I'm like pausing and going and pausing and going, playing. And I'm looking down when the scene starts because I'm writing about probably Troy's Spider-Man tie. And I hear her voice. Okay? This is like, we have seen so many episodes of Law and Order. I hear her voice and I go, oh my god. They got the real medical examiner. And I look up and it's her, but she's blonde. So in Law and Order, she's a redhead. And no, in this, she's no. blonde. Yeah. What? Really? Yeah, she was a redhead. No, no, no. I remember her being a redhead. I also remember her being a redhead in Community. No, she's blonde. Huh. I literally watched it again today. Okay. Oh, I'm glad you watched it twice. Yeah. (laughs) So it is the actual medical... And not only is it the actual medical examiner, she also has, like, the same tone, the same zingers. Like, they're like, could this actually happen? And she was like, yeah, if your gardener was Joseph Mengele, which is, like, something that... The kind of thing she would say all the time on Law and Order, like everything. And the best part of this is that she, at the end of the autopsy, reveals that the yam was about to bloom, which is essentially <laughs> the... this, And this is the thing that Marissa would always try to use to sell me on community, which is essentially the moment where they realize... Because it's usually a dead woman that they find. And the, the moment where the medical examiner reveals that this woman was pregnant, right? And right. so now there's like a you know, an extra layer to the crime. And so Troy gets like visibly sickened and <laughs> yeah. they've got, they've got to like, you know, he's, he's, they're like more determined than ever. So th- this is when Troy and Abed meet up with Annie and Jeff, who are the lawyers at a hot dog cart <laughs> on a busy street, which is again, in the middle of a community college every campus single in Colorado. episode of law and order has them in lower Manhattan outside the courthouses, buying a hot dog or a cup of coffee from a cart. And so, yeah, they're like on the college campus, but all of a sudden there's like construction going everywhere. And Jeff basically tells them to break into Starburns' locker to get evidence. And Annie's like, that's not ethical. And he's like, oh, you're too soft or whatever. So he's like the, you know, win at all costs guy. And she's the like ADA who has some, still has some integrity left in her. But they do break into Starburns' locker and they find like all of this equipment from the lab. And Starburns sees them and starts running and Troy and Abed do the why do they always run (laughs) and they run after and this made me laugh out loud Troy goes stop not police business (laughs) like so they're running they find Starburns they make him a deal they pinky swear on it that he will turn over the real yam smasher if they won't report him from stealing supplies for his meth lab that he is planning to build in the trunk of his car which i love because they're like yeah whatever like they don't care about the real crime they care about at all yam crime (laughs) so starburns points them back to todd uh who was the guy at the library with the burn on his hand they confront him as they always do in a public (laughs) setting yeah when he's he's in the middle of class he's weaving a basket he's weaving a basket And they're like, oh, look, he can weave baskets and he can lie. It's always like... <laughs> no, 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 no. He can weave baskets and lies. Uh, and lie. Oh, yep, yep, you're right. And it's always on Law & Order when it's like a really high-profile person, like 
a professor. It's like in their board meeting. Yeah, or, yeah. or like it's like a professor and they interrupt a class or, yeah, a board meeting or like a, you know, when a doctor is like about to meet with a patient and the whole waiting room is full of like pregnant ladies, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> So they take him in and... And they read him his fake Miranda rights. Oh my like, God, it's your You do not have to come with us. And nothing you say can be held against you at all in any way. <laughs> but like, please come with us, please and thank you. Like, it's hysterical. <laughs> so the bio class basically becomes the courtroom and the professor from The Wire becomes the judge. Uh, Jeff and Annie explain the case against Todd and they're interrupted by an army colonel played by Michael Ironside. I checked. He was not ever on Law and Order, but he's sort of like the perfect. He he could have been basically. So he is a colonel and he's also a lawyer and he becomes Todd's counsel and he does like the thing where he bursts in. And he's I like, think he's also Todd's uncle, right? Yeah, he is. He is. And he's like, how could you defame my client in this way? Like he's the very overzealous defense attorney. So they go to the dean who's playing, like, the Uber DA. Like, I don't, he's he's basically playing... Um, Adam. Adam Schiff. Yeah. And they explain the situation. They're going to have me for this when I'm up for election. <laughs> so the dean... I can't, I can't be the southern guy. I don't know. I can't. Oh, yeah. That Fred, what's his name? Yeah. So the dean wants to side with the colonel, but the professor steps in and he upholds the pinky swear. <laughs> and he says that they can plead their case in class. And, and they have like this very law and order moment where Jeff, uh, as, as Jack turns to this judge and says like, thank you. And he goes, it's not a favor, Mr. Winger. Like a man's got to have a code. And it's like very, like one of those moments, like very heavy moments. So Annie finds the motive, and I just have to once again point out their Chinese food containers on her desk, <laughs> piled high with all the paperwork. And Todd's yam, the, the motive is that Tom's, Todd's yam never bloomed, so he may have been like feeling frustrated by that. So just as things are looking up, Abed and Troy storm in, and this is like a pretty classic <laughs> clash between the yep. law and the order, and the order. Yep. which is that the real defense attorney like got to arch got to starburns and like threatened to get the real police involved and now starburns <laughs> the meth lab thing yeah. yeah and starburns is in the wind and and he's like <laughs> he was our only witness and abed freaks out and is like is, like, oh, is, is that, that how it works <laughs> yeah and he like messes up all the the papers on the desk and troy goes Sorry about my partner. He's been a little tense since we switched. So basically they switched being good cop and bad cop, which was right. really funny. And so they storm out and Annie and Jeff fight about whether or not they actually have a case anymore. And Annie is just like, go, go, go. And so they do have a trial. Um, and Archwood is like giving him a bunch of giving Todd a bunch of softball questions that plays up to like his military service and what a nice guy he is. And Annie is like really aggressive on this cross-examination and it is every single cross-examination trope <laughs> in the book. Everyone is objecting. Everyone is sustaining, She's like, uh, is sustaining that, is that why you beat your wife withdrawn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like going through. And so basically she's getting him riled up to the point where, oh, and at one point, like there's all these objections going around and the professor goes, need I remind you, this is not a courtroom. Like, it's great. Yeah. And so 
he rattle she rattles him and he has like a classic outburst from the witness box moment where he's like i didn't mean to it was an accident and the jar burned me and he starts crying Yeah, he says that he 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 just wanted to see he said that their yam was like looking better than his i guess and he just picked it up to see what they had done to kind of make it grow better and when he touched the jar, it burned his hand and he dropped it. And that's when it, quote unquote, died. And he starts crying. And it's like, ev- obviously, every episode of Law and Order where, like, the witness just falls apart and is like, I didn't mean to. It was an accident. So Annie is, like, reveling in this. And Jeff asks for a sidebar. And he tells them, the professor, to give all of them a C. And Annie's sort of like, what are you doing? And Jeff kind of has this moment where he's like, look, I convinced you that it was more important to win. But, like, you were really after the truth. And uh, he says, a man's got to have a code, which is like a callback to what the judge said. And he said, I can only assume there's a female equivalent of that, like a codet or something, <laughs> which made me laugh. So back in the courtroom... The judge is about to issue his ruling, the professor, and Jeff has a moment, like sometimes happens on Law and Order, where like they figure out the actual, what actually happened. And Jeff gets up and he figures out that everyone's yams had been boiled. So they thought that the yam was smashed because somebody stepped on it maliciously. But it That's turned- what the ME had said. Right. So this, it turns out that the yam was mushy on the inside when it dropped because it was boiled. And he said somebody had been sneaking boiling water into the yam jars overnight and nobody noticed because the water had cooled down. And he says to the new effect of boiling water is the icicle stabbing of yam murder. Yam murder, yeah. Which was great. <clears throat> this whole Bart bit is a little more like Perry Mason than it is Law and Order. Or it's also a little bit more Law and Order criminal intent because mm. Warren knows everything. He never <laughs> has to. Like the reason why I like regular Law and Order more than criminal intent is because they actually have to like go to experts to find stuff out. But Goran just like knows everything off the top of his head. And so one student's yam isn't voil- a boil. So Jeff just, go- it's like this dramatic thing where Jeff picks up every yam in front of the class and just drops it and everyone watches it like smush and smash on the floor because it's been boiled and he just does it with yam after yam after yam and then one bounces instead of smushing right so that one's not boiled and it belongs to a girl named vicky and vicky does the thing where she's like you know when you're confronted in the courtroom and she's like i'm i'm innocent i have no idea what you're talking about and vicky's boyfriend who this is perfect (laughs) is the guy from the administrative office who was the key master who led them to magnitude so so he's been in on it the whole time stands up and says i boiled the yams and he like does this whole confession about how he didn't want Vicky to fail the class because he didn't want her to have to take summer school because he wanted Vicky's to have... wasn't blooming so he killed the other ones because they were blooming right because she d- he didn't want her to have to repeat the class and because he wanted to have cardinal relations with her at, <laughs> at their parents cabin over the not summer not their pa- one of their parents his they're not parents. brother and sister okay his... whatever okay <laughs> it's his parents cabin and he goes, God help me, I did it for love. And they're like embracing. And Todd is like weeping. And it's, oh, that's the best. They cut to him on the stand and he's, he's just like, he's these like tears of like relief. He's, he's just like, Ugh. And he's in his military uniform. Oh my God. So it's even it's, better. And it also reminded me of like uh, A Few Good Men because he's in his military uniform, which is just like my favorite, one of my favorite movies ever. So 
Later on, this is the classic end scene where uh, everyone is gathered in the dean's office or th- or basically Adam Schiff's office for a drink to celebrate that everything actually worked out okay. And Annie's like, you know, in the end, it was really about biology. And they're all sitting and the around. Professor's like, I told you it was an important subject. And <laughs> then the phone rings, <laughs> I know, which is which is. If you've ever seen, like, a season finale of a Law & Order or, like, a very special episode or anything like that ripped from the headlines, the phone rings while they're all, like, clinking glasses and celebrating and looking smug. And the professor from The Wire takes the phone and he's like, hello. And then it's a few beats of silence and everyone's sort of looking around. And he says, I understand. And he hangs up the phone and he says... <laughs> he says... He goes, Starburns was rear-ended, and the meth lab in his trunk exploded. He's dead. (laughs) Cut to black! black. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen... (laughs) This was like a life-altering experience for me. of this episode of television (laughs) i can't even it's just i just loved it all i was so happy to have i'm happy this is like in the world i just sometimes just just, my brain just goes no he's dead he's dead i'm like by the way, it turns out he's not dead. They they spend a long time thinking that he is dead, and then it turns out like he like somehow escaped or something. Well, but, and that not, actually not before. and that actually does happen in Law and Order, where you think that Alex Cabot's well, at SVU, but they think Alex Cabot is dead, and it turns out she's been put in witness protection. So that kind of stuff does actually happen. This reminded me most of the death penalty episode where Lenny is like out drinking and oh, yeah. the ADA was it Angie no, Harmon? It's not it's not Lenny's not Lenny's not out drinking. He goes to pick somebody else up who has been drinking, right? Or am May- I think, am I thinking of a different episode? I don't remember, but the ADA ends up dead. Oh, 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 I am thinking of a different episode. Yeah. Okay. I this was like I think it it was either Angie Harmon or it was like the Angie Harmon look-alike ADA. And I yeah, think Yeah, if it you're was- an ADA on Law and Order it's not gonna end well for you yeah basically. i'm surprised annie made it through the whole episode <laughs> this episode was amazing i just it made me so happy there is an episode sadly when lenny is killed oh really that's the episode they don't just let him die of natural causes no they so he so his character is in aa i think is like recovering alcoholic yeah and he, I believe this is the case. I want to actually double check because I don't want to besmirch the good Jerry name. Jerry Orbach's memory. Yeah. Oh, he actually was on Law and Order Trial by Jury. Yep. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, you were correct. ADA Claire Kincaid, which is yes. Jill Hennessy. Jill is... Hennessy, not Angie Harmon, but they look They're, enough alike. They look alike. a lot alike. Yeah. Struck and killed by a drunk driver while driving home from a bar. Oh, because Briscoe, that, that's what I thought it was. Briscoe is in AA, but he, like, falls off the wagon, basically. Because after. of this death penalty yeah. case. 
This was basically, if I remember correctly, this was an episode where Jerry Orbach said to Dick Wolf, like, look, I've been doing this forever and I've never been nominated for an Emmy. So can you kind of like write me an Emmy episode? You know what I mean? Yeah. And Dick Wolf was like, yeah, you you deserve it. And he wrote this episode where Jerry Orbach falls off the wagon because this death penalty case that they all worked on, like the execution is actually happening. So it's not a normal episode. Uh, the whole episode is sort of about them waiting for the execution to actually happen. It's not. It's none of the normal like investigation stuff. Yeah, I remember that episode. That's tough. It's very dark, and it is one of the things that sort of led me to my current beliefs about the death penalty, which is not so much that I think that there is nothing that a human being can do to warrant the death penalty, but more that like we kind of can't do it properly. Like we can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. So we should probably stop doing it. And Lenny gets drunk at a bar and he calls, I think it's, he think he calls Claire for a ride. He probably calls a few people and Claire is the one who actually comes to get him. And, and as she's coming to get him, she gets hit by a drunk driver. And he feels Lenny, responsible. Yeah, Lenny kind of has to deal with that. Um, and I don't think he falls off the wagon again. I think that's sort of yeah, the, end of, the end of drinking for him. Wikipedia says he stays sober for the rest of his life. And you were correct. They don't, they just let sort of let him die later of natural causes. So, because he was on that very short-lived series, Law and Order Trial by Jury. But he was, like, obviously very sick in those episodes. Like, he looked gaunt and kind of, Mm. like, put too much makeup on him and stuff. I will say, so I worked up in, like, near Columbus Circle for about a year and a half. And uh, in the 50s, near Hell's Kitchen, they have renamed a street Jerry Orbach Way because I think he grew up there and Mm. he's like such a New York landmark of a person that they're just like, here, Jerry Orbach, like have a street. Like we just love Lenny so much. Yeah. I mean, this episode was amazing. Amazing. And yeah, it's always like they always end with like a shocking death or whatever. Um, but it's always on the handled... big on the big episodes, yeah. Yeah, but they uh, it's always handled very soberly. No pun intended. So, do we want to like talk about anything? Do any discussion, or have we been doing discussion this whole time? There's not much. I mean, well, there kind of is a lot of talk about to talk about, not about the Law and Order episode because the Law and Order episode doesn't reveal anything about the actual characters, right? It's just a, yeah. it's just a funny great sort of one-off chaos theory reveals a lot more about the actual characters and to some degree modern warfare does there's probably something to be said about jeff how hot he is and how attractive he is incredibly hot unfortunately his uh his netflix show just got canceled oh boo yeah i i think that you could make a comparison between jeff and eleanor oh you they're both sort of yeah, they're sort of amoral. They're sort of like the fo- focal points of these groups of people. The difference, I think, is that Eleanor actually gets better. And it's probably because Jeff doesn't have a cheaty. You know, he's surrounded by these right. people who are just as flawed as he is for the most part. And the one who is arguably the least flawed, who is Troy, uh, ends up leaving the show I don't remember exactly when it is, but the show goes on for quite a while without Troy. Because, I mean, the reality of it was that, like, Donald Glover was a hugely rising star. And he wasn't going to stay on this, like, little sitcom. Donald Glover was like, watched. I have to go make Atlanta, which is, like, the best <laughs> series on FX, like, ever made. Do you watch it? Uh, no, but I've heard, like, only incredible things about it. I don't have yeah, cable. Yeah, me too. So. Right. 
Uh, yeah, he had to go do a lot of things, right? I mean, I think he went to do Childish Gambino stuff for a while. And then he's like, oh, hey, I'm Lando, and I'm the best part of the Han Solo movie by <laughs> a mile. Yeah. He's done a ton. He's just got this incredible star power and also amazing comic timing and also this, that, the other thing. Like, he's great, right? Yeah, There's no yeah. nothing about him that's not great. Yeah. That video, that music video he just put out is unbelievable. This is America? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, it's astounding but anyway troy is i think the best of them pretty decidedly is the best of them but he's not he's he's a lot younger than jeff and he's not really he doesn't want to he doesn't claim to be in a position of moral authority he's not trying to teach anybody anything not because he has something to teach anybody but he probably just doesn't realize that he you know, could probably give a lot of people a well, better perspective on life. And in modern warfare, like, he actively says to Shirley, like, I'm not a representative of black students, right? Like, right. so he is, at least at, in the first season, and again, listeners, this is based on the three, only three episodes <laughs> I've watched. And I haven't watched through the series in, like, five years. He is, like, actively trying to, like, not be in a role where he's teaching people anything. And I think to a certain degree that's because he's young and that's a lot of pressure, you know. So I, I, I agree with you that that Jeff, I think if Jeff and Eleanor met in real life, they would totally... Uh, Make out. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, more than that, probably. But you're right that Eleanor... And Eleanor is also, like, put in a position where... She, I guess Jeff is too, in a way that he's told, like, he has to get better, right? Like, he has to get a college degree. Right. And, you know, they're, they both seem resistant to that for a little while. But, like, Eleanor, I think, is put in, like, a, it's almost like a, not a life or death situation, but a, a death or afterlife situation hmm. where she realizes that, like, her soul is riding on her becoming a better person and everyone around her also is going through that same transformation. So, like, that's, I think, probably... Yeah, the stakes are a lot higher in The Good Place. Yeah, the stakes are a lot higher. But you're right. Like, Jeff doesn't really have somebody who is a moral compass to kind of... I mean, maybe Annie a little bit, but she seems, like, secretly pretty unhinged. I don't know. I got that impression She kind from of her. is. Yeah, she kind of is. And Britta's certainly not. Nope. Uh, although they do have some chemistry... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably true. There's really nobody in that group who they don't. There's no moment where it's like, oh, we make each other better. Like the closest moment I can think to that is in the Chaos Theory episode where Abed kind of says like, the whole universe is random and it's stacked against us, and everything's uh, really you know can be really scary if you think about it as totally chaotic. But we can weather it together as long as we sort of accept each other for who we are, right? Um, right. And that's when he goes around the room and he talks about everybody's flaws or everybody's, like, the, the character trait that kind of is their logline, like each character's logline. Right. And Eleanor kind of does the same thing when she goes around and she's like... Yes, the dirtbag, yeah. Yeah, like, the universe is, or, like, the bad place is about to be outsmarted by, like, an Arizona dirtbag and, like, a human sweater vest and uh, <laughs> the dumbest person I've ever met. And Jason's like, what about me? Um, <laughs> so there is a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, I I know this is totally my, part, my pro-cheaty partisanship speaking, <laughs> but... 
Chidi is the thing that makes The Good Place different from so many sitcoms that are similar to it. Yeah. Where he is genuinely a good, smart person. He has flaws, but they're not moral flaws. And he makes it his job to make the people around him better, which is not typical. I mean, no. we've watched a ton of shows at this point for just for this podcast. I mean, we've also just watched a ton of shows in our regular lives, yeah. but just for this podcast, the character of like, I will improve you. The character who, who says it is my job to make you all better. Like that doesn't exist in sitcoms for the most part. And if it did exist, it would be, I think a lot of the times treated as like, Oh, look at this holier than thou jerk. Right. Whereas Chidi is obviously the moral center of the entire show. That actually, so that happens on, I've referenced how I met your mother a couple of times and I love that show except for the last season. So that's a group of friends who like, they clearly love each other, but they're all bonkers in their own way. And Ted Actually, that does happen. Like, whenever Ted tries to show his intellectual side, like, he is, you know, he's a he's pretty well-educated, and he has some rather, like, nerdy things that he's into, or, or things that are basically just, like, above, you know, it would sort of put him into Frasier territory. Like, he goes to a dinner party one time, and he meets Will Shorts, and he, like, freaks out, right? So... Um, every, so every time he goes into like, well, it's interesting that you say that because I was reading this article the other day in the New Yorker, everybody, every other one of the friends of that group, like starts snore, pretending to be asleep and like making, making fun fart noise. Him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Making fart noises. Like they actively don't want him to chase those parts of himself that put him at sort of like a higher intellectual or social status than them. Uh, and I feel like that's more often what happens. You don't often, you could, I think you could, you're right. You could perhaps say the same about Ross Geller. Perhaps. Yes. Although it's it's a little dicier. Ross but definitely just, Ross, yeah. has, Ross has to have a graduate degree, right, to do the work that he's been doing. Yeah. And, you know, he certainly has a maybe a different sensibility than the rest of the friends. But they never let him for a single moment, like... Yeah be you know any sort of teacher to them and there's another show again that i love that i think i've mentioned before called happy endings which was too short-lived in my opinion but there is an episode where there is sort of so it's these again it's like six friends right but they're in chicago not new york (laughs) um and they're all they've all been friends forever and they're all sort of like just terrible to each other but in it's like in the seinfeld way and there is an episode where one of them starts dating like a just a genuinely nice guy, like kind of like a cheaty. And he introduces her to his group of friends and they're all like genuinely nice people. And she doesn't know how to act in front of them mm. because everything she does, like somebody spills a drink and she's like, ha ha, you spilled your drink. Like, you know, I hope that sweater wasn't, you know, your favorite sweater or whatever. And all of them just look at her like, oh my God, what's wrong with you and she's like oh we don't (laughs) we don't razz each other all the time in this group that's not what happens and it's like no that's not what happens in like normal it's supposed to be a commentary on like this is not normal like this is not a normal group of friends this is an outlandish group of people together and so i think you're right like the cheaty character is usually they show up for like one episode or they are too good to hang out with like the rest of these goofballs usually 
And Chidi is like stuck forever with these goofballs, <laughs> you know, because of the premise of the show. So that gives, but it's actually interesting to see that explored because, you know, that gives you a whole other set of, of tensions and a whole other set of things in your, uh, like conflicts basically in your plot to work out, right? How many plot threads or misunderstandings or like scrapes have they gotten into because Chidi is trying to be the best version of himself and failing or trying to help somebody else and not quite getting there or getting there and doing it too well, right? <laughs> oh, Chidi, I just can't lie about who I am. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. So like, this is ultimately the thing is that you like your, your Chidi is your man and I am attracted to like every dirtbag like, on every show we watch not good guys <laughs> listeners if you live in the new york metropolitan area or you have single male friends who do get at me please I don't, tweet I don't... at the good play pod and we will hook you up i don't like dirtbags in real life like if you're a yeah, good if you're, person yeah please be a decent person tweet at the good play pod <laughs> Can I just start using this show as, like, my own personal, like... Absolutely. It's a pretty small pool of potential mates, but, you know, word of mouth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you're going to go back and watch some Community now? I think I am. I think I am. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I have to pay for the episode, so I want to be, like, judicious about it. But it was a lot of fun. Do you want me to make it your Christmas present this year that I buy you digital copies of the (laughs) community seasons? Um, So I've only, I only watched the, uh, so at the end of season three, Dan Harmon was forced to leave. Okay. They did it. They did a season four without him. And then they, he came back for season five. Season five actually has some good episodes. I never watched season four. I didn't, you know, the same way that I didn't really want to watch the West West Wing Wing after Sorkin left. Yeah. I, they did a sort of a short six season on Yahoo, but I never really watched through it because the platform was a little bit finicky. Yeah. And it was not the same production value. Yeah. I, can, I mean, yeah. that was one of the things I did know about Community, that it was constantly getting like, it was in jeopardy all the time. It was like, yeah. it's getting canceled. It's a niche, it's it's a niche show, you know? It's a, it's a I can very... understand why. I mean, it's, yeah. it is a show that, I mean, I think initially I had watched the pilot and I kind of didn't care for the tone of the pilot because I kind of thought they were like making fun of people who went to community college, which now that I have seen these other episodes, I understand is like, that's not quite true. It's like, it's more like, it's just an environment for all of these goofballs to kind of like find each other. And it's an unlikely group of friends like that. I understand now more having watched through but i think the pilot was like a little too i don't want to say mean-spirited because i only watched it once but i remember just being like "Ooh, i don't know about this so like i can understand how some people who are maybe used to the conceit of like a group of friends who all loves each other like that's where we're starting i can understand why maybe like it didn't resonate you know with some other people but it i thought it was really 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 funny Good. Yeah. Excellent. We do have one piece of listener mail. Ooh. Which is that Joel emailed us to let us know that the toss salad and scrambled eggs thing is like a very complicated metaphor. For what? Uh, okay. The composer of the theme song 
said that he was told to avoid any like explicit references to the actual show matter. What? Like, yeah. So they said you can't say Frasier, you can't say radio, you can't say psychiatrist, right? Why? <laughs> no idea. So then he's like, okay, I don't know what to do then. So then he, he talks to a friend and the friend says, hey, say toss salad and scrambled eggs because they're mixed up just like psychiatry patients. And the guy's like, oh, okay. Oh my God, what? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, but it's the dumbest thing I've heard this week. And it, that's a high bar to clear. Oh, we do have another piece of listener mail that came into my personal inbox from my best friend Meg about the Frasier episode. Oh boy, here we go. Did we get sharp shot? No, no, she really liked our episode. Uh, She sent me an email that was just her thoughts as she was listening to our episode. So it is just a bulleted list of everything like (laughs) that she thought. But there were a couple like questions that we had because we weren't as like enmeshed in the Frasier verse but like she is uh she says that this that the season one closer is actually the first time that Frasier confronts Niles on his uh, obvious crush on Daphne uh right that's what I had thought we were correct that Frasier moves home because Martin has fallen again and he wants to be closer to Martin she also says, she says, I, I think I read that the theme song is about the messiness and difficult of psychiatry, i.e. the blues and quote, toss out and scramble eggs, describing patients as people who are so complicated, you don't know what to do with them. Everybody's got some notions about this dang theme song. Yeah. Apparently the showrunner at some point said that they are not a quote, woo show. So that's why you never hear woo when something romantic happens. Good. Okay, so this blew my mind. Uh, fun fact, for the end of season seven, they filmed two endings. One where Daphne comes back to the RV and one where she doesn't. They asked the audience which one they liked better. What? I have never heard such a thing. I trust Meg implicitly on all things Frasier related and also everything in the world, but like all, especially Frasier. So isn't that Bananaramas? Another fun fact, in the last season where Daphne does get pregnant on the show, Jane leaves as pregnant with her second kid. And there is a couple more things, if you just bear with me. This is a long email. <laughs> so we asked when, or you asked when Frasier and Niles' mom dies. Their mom dies when they are in their early 20s. She's supposed to ha- She's supposed to have been dead even before Cheers. Oh, wow. So on this, like, Niles sexuality thing... She says, even though I adore him, I really never felt like David Hyde Pierce played a convincing romantic interest to Daphne. But apparently they were best buddies in real life, and he's the godparent to her kids. <gasps> That's so lovely. Yeah. And then she loved that we called Ted Danson old and hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we only speak the truth around here. And then the, one of the last things she said is, why do I know some, so much about this show, but still can't point to certain countries on a map? Girl, you and me both. Okay. <laughs> salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> I don't know what to do with all those countries I can't find on a map. Anyway, so that was... Uzbekistan. <laughs> so it's, uh... That was Meg's listener mail. So, and now she's, like, going back to listen to all her old episodes, so I just get random texts about, like, older episodes. Oh, she's a new, she's a new listener, she, eh? No, she listens to our episodes about the movies, because she likes those. Mm. She doesn't watch The Good Place. But she, what, Meg? Fun fact, and I almost, so I invited her husband on this show, like, when we originally started it, because 
Justin, her husband, has never seen The Good Place, but guessed the twist. Like, I was like, oh, you got to watch The Good Place. It's great. Because I told him we were doing a podcast. And I was like, you got to watch The Good Place before you listen to the podcast. And he's like, let me guess. Like, Ted Danson's a demon or something. And I was like, how did you do that? And he's like, I don't know. I was like, all right. So you should just come on as a guest. But yeah, so she listens to the episodes where you and I talk about movies because she likes just listening to the two of us talk, <laughs> like, <laughs> randomly. Anyway, that's not creepy at all. So yeah, so that was our, our listener mail. Okay. Uh, yeah. We and she not- also she also loved that you said that you kicked off with her favorite Simpsons moment, but especially <laughs> Bart. <laughs> I texted that to you and mom recently. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sideshow Bob is my favorite Simpsons character. The HMS Pinafore, yes. uh, Cape Fear episode being the absolute Sideshow Bob highlight. Yes. But that's another story for another day. We don't yes. know what we're doing next week. Complicatedly, two things. First of all, the second season of The Good Place is dropping onto Netflix next weekend. Oh, yeah. And also, we are going on a family vacation. Woo! <laughs> so, which I desperately need right now. <laughs> so, it's not clear to me... If there's going to be an episode next week, we'll have to discuss it. If yeah. there is, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Everything is very up in the air. Sorry about that, guys. It's okay. I think everybody's just like enjoying the last dog days of summer, you know? Yes, indeed. Go to the beach. Don't don't sit around and listen to us. <laughs> hey, you could listen to podcasts while you sunbathe. That's true. That's very true. But not in the water. Don't do that to your phone. Yeah, no. So we might see you next week. We might not. If not, we'll come back with a vengeance at the beginning of September. Yes, indeed. We don't know what we're going to talk about. Although I've talked about September because the end, because mid-September, The Good Place is going to start again. Thank you, God. Oh, it's been too long. merciful <laughs> Jesus. Thank you. I don't know. What, like the next, I was actually thinking about this. I was like, the next time we have to do like a big hiatus thing, like what are we going to do? Yeah, I mean, pop culture is a wide, wide subject. I'm sure we can find something. But yeah, it's, 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 it's rough. It's, but it's I think not it's... all an even keel. You know what I mean? Like, we had some really rough points. Oh, curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> also made in America. Oh, come on. <laughs> tea cake. <laughs> His baptismal name is Tea cake. <laughs> So I've talked about September just being dealer's choice, that we kind of just do whatever we want and we don't try to justify it. Woo! I'll see. Like, I'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Well, All right. until next week, protect yourself from your darkest timeline. <laughs> it's evil Marissa and evil Brianna. We'll see you next time, Ding Dongs. <laughs> Shujin is here. Shujin, hey, I don't need you here right now. Shujin, get, get, go, get, go. You know what? I'm going to go put some food in their bowls, and hopefully okay. that'll make them leave me alone.
So my favorite part of this, I'm, I'm going to do this while you're away from the microphone, like I did for those other episodes. My favorite part of this is when Pierce goes, it's called friendship. Look it up. Encarta it. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of, it's bad that I'm attracted to Jeff Winger, isn't it? It's like, probably, uh, this is a pattern that I should really, really investigate in myself. <sighs> Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light. Walk the streets for money. You don't care if it's wrong or if it's right. I hear right. some singing. What? <laughs> Roxanne, 